I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. Ah, this meeting is being recorded. Yes, we are live and in action. The perfect day to be indoors. It is a little cold and a little rainy for that one month of the year in California, so... I don't know why you try to act like uh, Northern California don't be raining. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> the song goes, it never rains in Southern California. Okay. Not- well, <laughs> you know, it should rain <laughs> once in a while. You know, this is just how we keep our, our wildflowers in bloom. That's true. I shouldn't say it rains a lot. I, I will say that like you will call yourself going in Northern California thinking you're getting ready to have on you know, a strappy sundress mm-hmm. only to be shocked into driving. Yes. You need a cardigan and some yeah. sort of jacket situation with that. So. Yes. I have recommendations for you for when you visit. <laughs> yes. I'm visiting soon. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait. Huh, so uh, let's see. What's new? What's up? What's new? Well, I have per usual been making my way through several books at you a time. I thought about it. I said, this is turning into like a mini oh, book. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, the, the thing is like, that's all I do. I, I read like, it's my deep passion. So yes, it's our, our podcast has evolved into that. And I'm not mad right. at it. I'm not mad at it either. Cause I mean, that makes people realize how well-rounded we are and that we have wellness activities. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> at least yeah. that's what I tell myself. I'm sorry. So I digress. What, what were you um, going to say about Yeah. It? Well, I, I finally, I've been wanting to read this book for a very long time. I, I finished The the Sympathizer this weekend. Okay. Are you familiar with that book? No. Who wrote that? Viet Thanh Nguyen. Um, this book came out in 2015 and won okay. the 2016 Pulitzer. Okay. I, I, I'm, the, the name is sounding familiar from another mm-hmm. book. He's cool. written, um, he read a a sequel to this book. And then he also wrote a memoir. I think it's called Man with Two Faces. I'll have to double check. Okay. I feel um, like memoir is what I've heard of. Yeah, cool. exactly. Cool. But did you love it? I, I loved it. I mean, it was just, it was really poignant. And I knew that this is why I really wanted to have the time and space to sit with us because it's like, it's historical fiction that's rooted towards the end of the Vietnamese war. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to also take the time to really dive into that. So there's a great documentary series on PBS called The Vietnam War. Okay. It's, it's a commitment. It's 10 episodes. It's like an hour and a half each. Oof. You know? <laughs> but, you know, for a, a decade long war that had such a profound impact on, you know, I could say for myself, my immediate life, you know, yeah. many of the men in my family served in that war, including my my grandfather. Mm-hmm who is a proud Marine and, you know, it was really his, the service that he, um, or the benefits of that service that really kind of changed the social mobility of my family. Wow. But at the same time, it's just like, there's a deeply flawed and complicated decisions that were made by the United States. And that's putting it very, very kindly. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So it felt good to really dive deep into that. Um, you love you some history. So I'm, this is my new obsession. Oh, that, that is that is so you. That's perfect. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. You know, you know what I um realized? I moved on to Heaven and Earth grocery store. Good. And and I was realizing that the tempo and the writing, it just sounded so familiar to me. And I remember I told you I'd heard of something from James McBride, but I was like, what? What is this sounding like? He has another book that I really loved called Deacon King Kong. Mm-hmm. Did you read Deacon King Kong? I, I haven't read it, but I heard of it. That was another one. I feel like that got some big awards. My friend Leslie, um, who's an avid reader, she often suggests books to me. That was one she suggested to me. But, um, you know, because, as you know, I love me an audiobook. It's the same. It's the same narrator for 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 this one, um, Heaven and Earth Grocery Store, and also Deacon King Kong. Oh, it's just brilliant the way that he narrates the book. But also, it's not just the narration that sounded familiar. It is the character development. Yes, it, it feels so frenetic and so like crazy that mm-hmm. when you're reading it, you're like, "What? What? Where are you going? Wait, what is it?" <laughs> yeah, and then like little like jolts of humor of uh-huh. things that just do not make sense but like why is this in here but that's funny yes like, he would this would have come except he choked on a pork bun like, <laughs> but deacon king kong is like that too and it all takes place in a very narrow like square footage you know, like mm-hmm. right it's this little neighborhood and and similarly heaven and earth grocery store is taking place in this very small place mm-hmm. but with all of these rich characters and how he like goes down these dives i'm i'm really yeah now 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 that i realize how many books james mcbride has written i'm like i'm about to go down that whole rabbit hole <laughs> yes I'm about to go down i love it well, yeah. keep, keep me posted on what you what you tackle next. But yeah, Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. I, 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 that's one I actually intend to go back and read again because it was so good. And I'm like really just um, in awe of his writing style. Like Read Deacon King Kong then. Okay. Yeah, because you you're going to read it and you're going to be like, what, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. So can I tell you something really quick that I forgot <laughs> to say last week? Okay. Um, we had as a visiting professor... Dr. Andre Churchwell. Mm. Uh, Dr. Churchwell is uh, an iconic faculty member and in a leadership, I think vice chancellor and a chief diversity officer. He's held so many roles at Vanderbilt uh, that is too numerous to count. But he also was at Grady Hospital, our first Black American chief resident uh, in internal medicine. Wow. But um, he has a really, I mean, that's just like one blink on the radar of his mm-hmm. career, but but he has done really meaningful work in medical education and in the DEI space. And he came uh, back to us for the day on that really wintry Tuesday when the weather was supposed to be really, really bad and all kinds of things were getting canceled. My kid's school got canceled. Mm. It was, I spent the entire day, not only with him, but he also brought his wife who spent the entire day of the whole visit with us, but she was a Grady nurse and they met at Grady when she was a nurse. And she had been a nurse for probably five or six years already when they met, when he was mm. in residency. I, you know, I, I had spent time with Dr. Churchwell before, but man, what a delight it was to be around this smart, amazing woman. And also in the presence of this couple that had been married for over 40 years. And, um, to also just um, see some aspects of Grady and our department through the lens of a Grady nurse. Mm. It was 
dope. It was so dope. The whole, the whole experience was amazing. So I just had to say that shout out to the church wells. Yeah. I mean, first of all, that name just sounds iconic. All right. And I love how their story is so baked into the history of this, like this mm-hmm. institution, you yeah. know, given my, my current history kick, maybe I'll tackle Grady hospital next. Um, there, yeah. There are some really good books uh, about the history of Grady. So you should check it out. Absolutely. Well, shout out to the church wells. That's such a beautiful story. Well, now, <laughs> I tried now, to, I told you all. Yes. Now it's time. Okay. This is what, what drew me out of bed this morning. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, I'm thinking of the metaphor of like my, my soul being like parched and needing, you know, the waters of your storytelling ability to relieve my thirst. Is is that like too extra or is that? I mean, you know, I, I am extra. You know, I have a friend who calls me guac for short because guacamole is extra everywhere you go. Yeah, no, no, it's all good. <laughs> Bring it. Excellent. Well, you know, with, without further ado, I could, I could try my hand at more metaphors and poetry, but I think that our audience deserves to hear your voice in this moment. So sis, what's the what? The what is pivot. Pivot. Okay. Pivot. You going in one direction and you go somewhere else. Yep. You go on in one direction and then you just pivot and go in a whole different direction. And not pivot in the way everybody's like, oh, we had to pivot. You know, how everybody talks about the in the pandemic. Like we did we did kind of beat that word to death, but like y'all <laughs> put that out of your head for now and let's just move into this story I'm about to tell you. And do you know? This is really fresh off of the presses. This is something that happened to me yesterday. Okay. Less than 24 hours ago. Like you know um, that I often do, there is a story within a story, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it was kind of a full circle moment and I want to share a little bit about it. Um, so the first story starts with yesterday. Um, so yesterday uh, I had the great honor of being a keynote speaker at um, a Founders Day event that uh, the Jack and Jill, one of the the Atlanta Jack and Jill chapters um, in sort of the northern suburbs of Atlanta was having. And they invited me to be a speaker. Uh, And probably about 150 people there, really beautiful event, um, kind of, um, you know, where people were, you know, dressed up and had fascinators and it was real cute it was a real nice event this is not the chapter that i'm affiliated with but you know i know a lot of the mother members it was cool and uh, i get sat seated at this table with their officers and their past presidents and um you know just waiting to do what i was asked to do this woman sits beside me and she's younger than me she's probably about five or six years my junior um I mean, I live in Atlanta, and if you're black and educated in Atlanta, I mean, everybody looks familiar to you. Like <laughs> people say, "Where do I know you from?" You just start naming stuff. Did you go to Tuskegee? Did you go to Harry? Did you go to my church? Who your mama them? Are you a Delta? Are you an AKA? You know, whatever. But um, she didn't really look that familiar to me. She was nice, kind of reserved. Um, she said she was the treasurer of the chapter. Mm. We made small talk about that. I was like, "Oh my gosh, you going to heaven, girl, for that?" Because <laughs> We just laughed and talked. So um, the program goes on. Um, Again, she's not an extremely talkative person. So she's kind of, you know, cool, nice, friendly. 
And um, I give my speech and, you know, as you know, I almost never write down what I'm going to say. So mm-hmm. I'd be the first one to hear the speech too. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm a sharer. So in, in my speech, I mentioned a few things um, that, you know, said about my hometown and, you know, my training and all these different things. So um, again, we had been sitting side by side probably for over two hours and um, I'm getting ready to leave. And she looks at me, she goes, can I ask you a question? What is your maiden name? Mm. Um, I said, uh, my maiden name is Draper. And she just put her hand on her chest. She said, oh my goodness. It's so funny. While, while I was sitting next to you and while you were talking, I was thinking, I know her. But I don't know her through Jack and Jill. I know her. And I was like, oh, okay. She said, I was your medical student um, when you were when you were a, a third year resident um, at Case Western, and I was like, "Wow!" And I looked at her because there were not very many black students um, mm-hmm. at, at Case when I was in residency. I looked at her, and then it was almost like a, a TV show where everything goes like everything rewinds really fast, mm-hmm. and and then you land, and then everything crystallizes. Mm-hmm. I said, oh my goodness. Now I'm going to pause there and tell you a little bit more about this person. I actually, about 15 years ago, really set out to try to find her. Mm. All I could remember is that her first name was Tracy. I knew that she had gone to Case Western School of Medicine. Um, and I thought like remotely that maybe she had done peds. So... <laughs> Imagine me typing into a Google search engine, Gracie, <laughs> Case Western, pediatrics. Like, yeah, that's, that is like, I didn't know her last name. I really narrows it her. down. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't quite remember her face well or anything like that, but I was really, really trying to find her. Um, and the reason why is because um, I was in the process of going up for associate professor and I had been asked to write an essay, a personal statement. And one of the first prompts in our personal statement for, for um, going to that next step is tell a little bit at the beginning about your origin story of going into academic medicine. Why did you choose a career in academic medicine? Okay. I was a MedPeds resident and our program had a lot of role models that were working in the community, but also kind of touching the residents too. So I always thought that I would go somewhere, hang my shingle and be a primary care doctor seeing adults and children every day on a schedule. And every now and then, maybe a medical student would come in and shuffle about and get in my way or whatever. Right. (laughs) Other than that, I never, ever thought about, um, I thought residency would end and then I would Mm -hmm. go and be grown. Right. Wow. But this young woman, when she was a third year medical student on my team, She was one of the top students in the whole school. And um, she made a junior AOA, which is Alpha Omega Alpha um, Honor Medical Society, you know, for their like top three to five percent of students um, in a a medical school, which, you know, I won't go all into AOA, but Mm -hmm. so um, again, she was pretty reserved back then, but she was smart and she was really, really, really competent. Um, And I remembered her. And I remember when I was a medical resident um, that I used to see medical students like 
sitting in a corner reading pocket medicine. And I would always get him say, get up. It's too much going on in this hospital for you to be in a corner reading. Come with me. So I always took students with me when I was going to admit patients or whatever, but I didn't think that was teaching. I thought it was just like, come with me, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and again, I, I thought people liked me. Like I thought I was likable. I thought I had good interpersonal skills, but I still never thought of myself as a really good teacher. And um, she nominated me for honorary induction into AOA. And I, you know, I had never heard of anybody um, getting honorary induction into AOA. I'd never heard of that. I just knew that you need to be the top three to five percent of your class to be, make AOA. And I was not that at Meharry. <laughs> so when I got called um, to um, about this, they're like, you are being inducted into AOA. Alpha Omega Alpha. And I said, oh, no, no, I'm not a medical student. I'm a resident. (laughs) No, no. You've been nominated. The chapter can nominate one resident physician and one faculty member every year. And the students, they chose you. Wow. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, this student drove the nomination and you were unanimously selected. I was like, what? So- as surreal as it was, I show up at this event um, where I get inducted into AOA. And um, they have the person who nominated you stand up and say something to you, say something about the nomination. So this now fourth year medical student, early fourth year, late third year medical student stands up and she says, um, she talks all about how I would go and I would never let students just sit to the side. Um, I always um, would take time. I would, you know, pull them up and we would do questions together. Or I would say, come with me to see this admission, even if they weren't on my team, even if they weren't on medicine. She would just be like, what are you doing? Come with me. And how much um, the students appreciated me. And at the end of her very short little speech, she looks at me and she says, I have no idea what you have planned for the future, for your future career. I really don't. I don't know what you plan to do, but whatever it is, I hope and pray that it involves medical students because this is your gift. Mm. This is your gift. And it would be a shame if you didn't. Uh, Until that moment, never, ever had I ever thought about a career in academic medicine. And I credit that moment as the pivot point, the, the like moment that I decided that I wanted to go into academic medicine. Furthermore, when I finished Mad Peds and I took my job at Grady Hospital in internal medicine, I just knew that I was gonna be around medical students. And I had even developed a narrative that said, what I know I wanna do is I wanna be where there's medical students and residents, and I wanna take care of people trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. That's what I know I wanna do. I don't care if it's peds, I don't care if it's adults, but I want to be around medical students and the lion's share of the teaching would have been in internal medicine at Emory. And I wanted to come to Atlanta. So I've tried to find her multiple times and I don't know people that know her. This woman was in Atlanta all along. She gets seated next to me yesterday at this Mm -hmm. event. And we were literally like the event is over and we are like weeping. Oh my God. (laughs) Because I'm telling her, I was like, that was a defining moment in my career, what you said to me that day. Mm. It's like, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. I was like, no. I've thought about her so 
so many times. And we kind of ex exchanged some text messages yesterday. And she um, she said some things to me in those text messages that I will save, like really forever. Mm. If I'm having a bad day. I'm going to pull this text message up and be like, wow. So it just got me thinking a lot about the words we speak over people and how we can speak life into people mm -hmm. and how intentional we need to be about our words that we are speaking over people because yeah. it was a very strong statement that she made. And, and I, and I really, I could not unhear it. It would be a shame if you didn't, mm -hmm. this is your gift. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, it was dope. I mean, and I love that for so many reasons because, you know, it, it came from a, a, a medical student. You know, we've talked about this before, but we often feel that, you know, the the trainee like mentor relationship is is only like one direction. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of power in in the mentees as well to shape the, the future of, of the folks even that they look up to. Mm -hmm. I love that. And then just serendipity, right? Because uh, I have a close friend who's in the chapter two and she says, you know, Tracy is reserved. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know that if she hadn't been sitting beside you, I don't know that she would have come up to you mm -hmm. and said to you, Hey, um, do I know you? Because when, when you're, when you're the, the speaker, you know, you get, you know, a whole bunch of people come up to you afterwards and everything. And that clearly was not her style or her personality to, um, to do something like that. And it was just, you know, again, like the Grady elders say, God be knowing. Yes. And I have looked for her. I really haven't thought about her. And I was like, you know, I'm going to send you my personal statement um, just so you can know. And I wrote that. I wrote that. Um, I think I went up for associate professor like around 2010 or something like that. It was mm -hmm. a while ago. But I was like, I got to find this woman. But it was huge. So um, actually what I was just talking to you, I was looking for what she wrote, one of the things she wrote me. And I, mm -hmm. I want to share what she said. She says, I'm still in absolute awe from talking to you today. For me, it's like sitting next to President Obama. I realize now that you might not have known at the time that we all felt that way about you. As Black medical students at Case, we didn't see many Black residents or attendings. Just your existence meant so much, but you couldn't be in a room for more than 30 seconds without us realizing how absolutely extraordinary you are. Mm. There are physicians who are smart, some who are great with patients, and a few who are great teachers. You are the unicorn who was all three. We loved you. Not just the Black students, but especially the Black students. As soon as I found out that I could induct a resident into AOA, I knew it had to be you. At the time, I was one of two Black students in AOA and the only one in my class, so I was prepared to fight but no fight was needed. Mm. Every single student who knew you was passionately in favor of your nomination. It was important to me that you received that small recognition, but I never knew that it was impactful to you as well. I figured it would just be something to add to the bottom of your CV. I'm so happy you're still teaching medical students. Thank you so much for sharing this with me. It's difficult to express how much it means. Mm. And then went on to say, I became a chief resident because of you too girl. Wow. Is that not crazy? I know you were crying. Girl, <laughs> girl, I can't believe I'm telling the story. I think I cried too much yesterday because I just couldn't, <laughs> I just couldn't believe all of it. I couldn't, you know, I I think that something had happened with their original speaker and I was asked mm -hmm. kind of late in the game. I was like, sure, you know, I'll do it. 
Mm-hmm. I just was like, wow, this is so awesome. Yeah. She's, she's doing great. And I now have her contact information. I was like, you bless me so much. Ah, oh, that's so good. It's hard to even fathom at this point, like you not being a, a clinician educator, like, you know, that, that pivot point was a God moment for all of us who have, you know, been on the receiving end of your wisdom, you know, as you were talking about her being reserved and, you know, probably not, would not have come up to you. Otherwise, I was just going to say for our folks listening, like I have been with Dr. Manning at conferences <laughs> and I know her and I'm, I like, I don't even want to go up to like, it's just, you have to fight back the crowds. I'm just like, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, so. but I just, I just love that. God, since I'm a person who believes in God, but and if you don't, you know, the universe, whoever you believe in, mm-hmm. saw fit to line us up in that moment mm-hmm. to sit side by side. But also I love that, um, you know, she was obedient to whatever in her made her feel like she needed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because picture you being the lonely, only um, Black medical student on an AOA in a place like Cleveland, Ohio, back in the 90s. I mean, it's not like everybody's going to listen to you or anything. And she had come from an HBCU. Mm-hmm. I did remember that about her too. And it's just like amazing how things that seem so insignificant can be so significant. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I guess I'm just starting to realize that very little is insignificant. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, even when my friend was like, she's so reserved. I'm so like, it's so good that she sat next to you. But I'm like, Ashley is so reserved. And she is one of the people I love the most in this world. But the, the way for us to be able to meet and connect had to happen at that meeting first, because even if we had been set up to work on, on Emily's podcast together, it still would not have, um, we would, we needed that first intimate time together first yeah. to be able to sort of build on it. And I, and I'm just very, I'm feeling very, very grateful for that. And mm. I'm kind of tired, you know, right now. Mm. And I, and I felt like, so on mission when she told me that and then adding and, and then I became a chief resident. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, look at that. Yeah. So I, the piece I'm saying about very little is insignificant is because, you know, there are some people who have big personalities and whose CVs have long lists of things and who get, you know, retweeted and highlighted in places and who seem like a big deal. But the biggest, biggest deals are the the really extraordinary, ordinary moments. Mm -hmm. The most meaningful stuff in my whole career, I cannot put it on my CV. And sitting next to that woman yesterday and receiving that text message from her was was better than probably 100 things I have on my CV right now that probably look shinier and better and prettier to people. Mm. It was dope. I love that. My friends and I were talking about having like a hype up folder or like, you know, the things that you you look back on that like remind yourself, you know, who you are when you're feeling low. It reminds me I was um, nominated and, you know, was thrilled to receive a teaching award my first year of faculty. And what was special about this was that it came directly from students. Mm-hmm. 
I've, I've talked about this on the on our podcast before, but like, you know, I got to what was special was like I got to see what the students wrote. Mm. And I got to share that with my grandmother before she died. Mm. Mm. And um, you know, I it's it's like you said, there's there's nothing better. <laughs> there's nothing I could do in my career that like that beats out stuff like that. Yeah. So. Because you because you weren't you were just being yourself. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even, I wasn't even trying. I didn't even, I think what she said made me realize that what I was doing was teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I did not know that I was teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we even talked about it yesterday. She was like, of course you were. It's like teaching is showing up. Mm. You, were, you know, you were there. Yeah. You didn't phone it in. You always mm-hmm. did more than a minimum and you always saw everybody and you always knew people's names and. I said, yeah, but all I knew about you was Tracy Pediatrics. <laughs> but yeah. I, that is so special. Like, I love, I, I mean, like, I obviously wish I was there, but you've painted such a beautiful picture in my mind of the moment when you, you know, replay the oh, story really? and then like meet each other back in that moment right. in time where you right. recognize who each other are. It's just, it's so Incredible. And my eyes immediately, like I, before I could even explain to her what I was going to tell, what I told you, my eyes immediately welled up with tears and like tears were already falling out of my eyes. And she was looking like, oh my God, what is wrong? <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I owe so much to you. You changed my entire career trajectory mm-hmm. with just one sentence that you chose to say in a room full of people, none of whom look like us. Mm. That's banana, just oh. man, bananas, bananas, bananas. Mm. Well, shout out to Tracy, the pediatrician. Yes, Tracy, know. Tracy Jemerson, MD. She might have some more stuff on her on there. She was smart. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she earned her way in the AOA. She didn't just, you know. <laughs> some of us need a little help to get there, but some of us need an honorary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that girl. You know, just. Shout out to speaking life over people. I'm glad that we have this forum to, you know, highlight the the extraordinary, ordinary moments that really shape and move us forward yeah. and might might even pivot us in a different direction than where we saw ourselves going. A whole different direction. Yeah. And God be knowing and mm-hmm. very little is insignificant, no matter how much we think it is. Well... I'm going to let you uh, get on to whatever you got going on. Um, mm-hmm. It's lunchtime in A and I'm hungry. Yeah. I need, <laughs> I need coffee and, you know, to put some clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, girl. Uh, yeah, she she does have on a hoodie, so don't. <laughs> it's only to cover the pajamas that are underneath. So, yes. I All right, sis. Oh, you that, Grace. Yes, I appreciate it. And, um, I love you very, very much. And I am so glad that the seemingly insignificant moment of us meeting that day and walking downstairs and having a coffee at that little coffee cart mm-hmm. opened up into a, a pivot to something really beautiful. Absolutely. I love it. I love you. And um, yeah, what more can I say? These, these moments just make me very, very happy. Yeah, likewise. All right, sis. Great. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. 
Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.